Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Heavy Branches. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tanner. And we're so excited to finish the book of Luke with you today. Uh, it's, it's been very cool to go all the way through the Gospel of Luke and spend some time with the, the different highlights in each chapter. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing to, to finish our first book of hopefully what ends up being many if we do more books or... You know, maybe we'll do some other other studies as well. Um, you have to stay tuned to see what, where we go. But uh, going through chapter 24 today and finishing up our first kind of major uh, series, if you will, on the podcast. So it's been an exciting time. Yeah. Um, you know, we chose a book, specifically a gospel, starting out because we wanted to choose something that was going to keep us consistent and Except for the two weeks where we back-to-back had the flu, we've <laughs> been really consistent. So that's been awesome, and it's it's exciting that we're finishing up uh, Luke this week. And, um, you know, we're going to be starting uh, a couple or a few episodes of apologetics. And then I think we have some ideas about what we're going to go into next, but we'll confirm that over the next couple weeks. But, um, you know, thank you all for listening. and going on this uh this ride with us it's it's an enjoyment for both of us i know to to get to do this each week so did you ask me how my week was already or no not yet oh normally i i do like a you know before we hop into the chapter how was your week okay so how's your week been (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) ask you first um well my week's been good um did my second week of this the current sermon series that I'm preaching on uh, on Genesis specifically the first three chapters and that's been really really fun uh, and exciting and really enjoyed that so far um, doing you know the third week this coming Sunday so I've spent the week prepping for that and um, had good youth group time this week with the with the teen group and um, started doing some other thinking about some other preaching, uh, some other sermon series or sermon ideas this week. So it's been a good week. What's it like to preach in a series? That's something I haven't done before. So this is my second one, and it is honestly a little bit relieving yeah. because I know both of us have had problems in the past with trying to cram so much into one sermon because we feel like we have to get it all in there to explain the whole topic. Right. But in a series, we can separate that out a little more. Um, and you're still, you know, able to expose the scripture, but you can do it across multiple sermons instead of just trying to do it all in one. And it, it makes it easier to write a sermon. Um, yeah and take your time explaining things and make it understandable. So I've really, really enjoyed it um, both times. So hopefully you get to do that soon for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I definitely will once I'm in a situation where instead of filling preaching at different places, I'm preaching consistently in the same place Yeah, on a week to week basis. But um, yeah, glad to hear you've had a good week, man. How's your week been? It's been good. I got to preach this week. That always is kind of a, a highlight for for me getting to go fill in breach places. I preached over at South Fork Christian Church, which is in Verona. Yeah. So only about 25, 30 minutes from here. Normally when I go fill in breach places, 
I drive quite a bit. Normally, it, I mean, typically it's like at least an hour, sometimes a little more. Whether I drive from here or drive from the school, staying the night up there if it's close to Louisville. But so it was good to, to preach kind of closer to home and just get, get to preach in general. So, uh, and then classes were great. Last time I had the same. Both my classes were canceled for the week, which which was sad because I like I like class, but yeah, it's been good. Well, that's great. That's good. Um, I do have a mark your calendar this week. I didn't know about this until Jacob Cabe sent it to me and uh, Jacob earlier this week. But Kiowa uh, or yeah, Kiowa which stands for Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia. They have a gathering coming up on March 15th and 16th. It's a gathering for families, and it's, uh, it's on a Friday, Saturday. There's, gonna, there's a good set of preachers that are going to be preaching, and I think the first session starts Friday night at 7, um, and then maybe those, I think Saturday starts at nine or 10 o'clock, but you can get more information about it. If you call the number 740-532-8028. But, uh, again, it's a, it's a good, uh, faith, uh, faith building rally type thing. It's in Southern Ohio and, um, I'll yeah, just, I know it's an event where you can definitely have lots of fellowship with other Christians and hear some preaching. Is there music through there? Do you know or I would, I would think so, but I don't know for sure. I haven't been to one of these. I'm going to try to go to this. Um, we were talking this week about trying to go to it, but uh, you have a module that week. Yeah, I'll be in um, class. But I think me and Cabe, me and Jacob Cabe, may still try to go. If he, if Cabe, if Jacob Cabe doesn't go, I'm still gonna try and go, even if it's just me. But because um, it's only like an hour and a half from from where I'm at. So, but again, if you want more information, it is uh, like a family. It's for families. It's just a Friday evening and a Saturday. But the number to contact for more information is seven four zero five three two eight zero two eight. Um, and that's my mark your calendar for the week. So let's hop into Luke 24. Let's get into it, man. Um, there are 53. What? I was going to ask you, you have a chapter title. I do. Uh, the chapter title this week is Foundation, and we'll get into that more. Some of you may already know where we're headed with that. Uh, if you've read ahead, like we always suggest that you all do, you know, read ahead, read with us, read after. Um, but uh, the chapter title is Foundation. There are 53 verses in this chapter. And so let's hop into our key thoughts. Jacob told me that I was not allowed <laughs> to finish Luke without having a verse number one uh, um, comment or key thought. I so. told him this after he had already <laughs> told me that he had one. <laughs> So I just thought it was very a very fitting way to end Luke to uh, for him to have a verse one comment because he has made that a staple of these episodes. I think I've missed like two out of every chapter. So uh, <laughs> definitely a good way to finish. But the first verse, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. So what I wanted to point out is 
Jesus rose on the third day, and the way the scriptures speak of it is the third day of the week. So the third day is in reference to he he died on Friday and and rose on Sunday. So that's three days. And I'll explain that a little more because some people don't quite understand it because they think, okay, he died on Friday, Saturday is one day, Sunday is two days. But the way, you know, the way we we look at it is he died on Friday, that's day one. He was dead Saturday, that's day two, and he rose on Sunday, that's three days. And you can even get more technical with it that um, the scriptures say, uh, let me just look real quick. Yeah, the scriptures say in the last chapter, in chapter 23, um, that it fell dark around the sixth hour of the day, um, and he died around the ninth hour of the day. And the way that days worked for them, especially with the Sabbath, is days went from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., how we under, how, how they thought about it, how we understand it. So the, the sixth hour of the day and the ninth hour of the day would have gone from 6 a.m. to noon would have been the sixth hour of the day, would have been noon. And then the ninth hour of the day would have been three. So he died about three o'clock on Friday, according to what Luke writes for us. And the Sabbath day, you can even read in the scriptures that they they kind of rushed the the burial process because they wanted to get it done before the Sabbath day started because they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day started for them at 6 p.m. on what we understand as Friday, but to them it would have been actually the start of the Sabbath or Saturday. So he died on Friday around three, and he was buried before 6 p.m. before Saturday or the Sabbath day started. He was dead, you know, all of the Sabbath day, and then um, at 6 p.m. on Saturday they would have viewed it as that's the start of Sunday, and the scriptures tell us that sometime before the sun came up on Sunday, Jesus rose. Um, and so you have the the three days, and that's the more tech, technical explanation of of the three days. And uh, the last thing that I'll mention for this is the emphasis of, but on the first day of the week. Jesus rose on Sunday, on the first day of the week, and that is the reason that the church meets on the first day of the week. That is why we choose to to meet on Sundays, is because that is when Jesus rose. And uh, Jacob mentioned this earlier, but the Lord has blessed us with several reminders of the importance of the resurrection. And one of those reminders is when we meet as a church. Another one of those reminders is uh, in baptism, we're buried with Christ and we're also raised up with, with Christ in new life. Um, and so there are several reminders of, of the resurrection. And we're going to talk more here coming up about why the resurrection is so important for us to remember. Um. But yeah, that's the verse one for for the last chapter of twenty four or last chapter of Luke. 
then moving down, as you read the chapter, what you'll see is that Jesus begins to present himself to different people. And these people that he presents himself to then become eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And this is a huge deal. Um, for the next, you know, once he resurrects on the first day of the week, for the next 40 days, Jesus presents himself. Um, you know, we don't have every moment of every day of those 40 days of him presenting himself, but we have several accounts of Jesus present, presenting himself to different people, and they become eyewitnesses of his resurrection. We don't have, we don't have um, a record of all of these people, but First Corinthians, I believe, in chapter fifteen, tells us he appeared to over five hundred people after yeah. his resurrection. And I actually want to read that. So, if First Corinthians chapter fifteen, I'm going to read verses three through eight. So Paul wrote, "For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures." and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So, he appeared to to over 500 different people in this span of 40 days. And, and this says 500 brethren at one time he at one point uh, appeared to. So these eyewitness accounts are one of the biggest proofs of Jesus' resurrection. And, and again, that's important. We're going to talk about the importance of the resurrection here in a second. But I just want to mention some addition, just one or two additional things that prove the resurrection. Um, and I'll say that in here in a few weeks, as a part of our apologetics podcast, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to take a deeper dive on the the proofs or the defenses for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to get into that more here in a few weeks, but I just wanted to touch on it since that's a major topic of today's podcast. Um, some of the other proofs to consider is number one, you can, you know, you can try and argue this if you want, but one of the most convincing things for me is the fact that if somebody's lying, I would say if it's not impossible, it's really rare for somebody to die for a lie. For something um, they knew was a lie. For something they knew was a lie. And the the apostles and, and so many eyewitnesses died for something they knew was true. Um, and if they knew it was a lie, then they they probably would have broke and told the truth before they... Uh, before they died, but instead they died, um, you know, holding fast to the fact that they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And then another one uh, is that the scriptures talk about how the 
the higher ups, the, the higher ups of the Jews tried to hide the fact that the body had been raised by spreading this rumor that the that the apostles or his disciples had hid the body. The problem with that is the body has never been found, was never found, and that's because Jesus was resurrected and he walked and and was seen by people for 40 days and then he ascended uh, to be at the right hand of the Father. So uh, that's another proof that uh, we can go to. And like I said, we're going to talk more about that moving forward uh, in, a, in some of the one of the future podcasts. But I wanted to touch on it here. And another thing about that, you know, the first Corinthians 15, I think verse three, it was that says he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. Another. So people that don't believe in the resurrection, one of the theories they throw out is, well, the disciples just hallucinated this. Um, but I mean, psychology shows us that it is nearly impossible for just two people to have the same hallucination at the same time. And so when you carry out that statistical chance from it's almost impossible for two people to hallucinate the same thing at the same time, thinking about <laughs> over 500, I mean, that's statistically impossible at that point for it to be a hallucination. So that's another thing that that verse is, is pretty important for in the realm of apologetics. Yeah, verse verse 6, uh, just that was to verse clarify. Three, not verse 3, yeah, I yeah. misquoted it. Um, so... Uh, We've we've kind of discussed that, but now let's let's take some time to really talk about the importance of the resurrection. Um, and there's a couple passages that we can address regarding this. Um, one of the passages is right here in in chapter 15 of First Corinthians, um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and go back there. But verses 12 through 19 of that same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that, that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are we are of all men most to be pitied. So the emphasis here is Paul is teaching Paul is teaching that the resurrection of the dead is real. But what we can draw from this about the resurrection more more specifically in relation to Luke chapter twenty four and the other gospels as they talk about the resurrection of Jesus is that the resurrection is foundational to our faith. And Paul says, if, if Jesus was not raised, these are, his, these are the words, these, this is Scripture, if Christ was not raised, then our faith is worthless and we are still sinners. That means that we are not saved. 
That means that we are still guilty. We are still under the power and the penalty of sin. That means our relationship with God is still broken. And so this is a huge deal. I mean, in other words, you could say you disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the entire the entirety of the Christian faith completely crumbles and is and is meaningless and worth nothing. It is it is the foundation of the Christian faith. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. So why what about the resurrection makes it that important? Yeah, so last week we spent some time discussing what makes the crucifixion significant. And obviously the, the crucifixion and the resurrection are, are closely tied together. Um, I, I can't remember who this is original with. This didn't come from my brain. <laughs> but there's, there's a statement that's been made, you know, it's talking kind of about the crucifixion and the resurrection that I really like. And, and it goes something like this. You know, ev every person that's ever lived... Uh, outside of Jesus, you know, has two, we have lots of problems, but every person has two main problems in life, two inescapable problems, and that's that they've sinned and they're going to die. So we have two problems, sin and death. The crucifixion takes care of our sin problem. The resurrection takes care of our death problem. So Jesus, Jesus handles both of those problems in, in what he did on the cross and then rising from the dead. Um, it's something I like to think about with when you ask the question, what makes the resurrection significant? We, we discussed last week on the podcast some from Romans 6, and I want to go back there today again. Um, so I'm going to turn my Bible to Romans 6. But, you know, the resurrection... When we when we were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into His death and, and His resurrection. That's what we're reenacting when we go down under, under the water and then come back up. And when I think about what makes the resurrection significant, one of the first things that come to mind is it gives us the power to live a new life. And so I want to read where Romans 6 talks about that. I'm just going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 7. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So when you think about the significance of the resurrection, the, the, the phrase there in the NASB in verse the end of verse 4 is that so we too can walk in the newness of life. The resurrection gives us uh, another chance. Uh, you know, we've, we've totally been corrupted by, our, by the sins we've committed in our old life. 
And the resurrection gives us a chance to start new, to walk in the newness of life, and to walk a life that is free from being under the power of sin. And that doesn't mean that we don't ever face temptations and that we don't stumble in sin after we've had our new life in Christ. But sin no longer has that same kind of power that it had in our lives over us before we were forgiven of our sins and before we had that new life in Christ. And, and so that, that's really the first place my mind goes to when I think about the significance of the resurrection. I love that teaching there in Romans 6 that we, we, we have the opportunity to walk in the newness of life. We can live a new life, not under the power of sin, but as Romans 6 will go on to teach later on, living as slaves to righteousness rather than slaves to sin. Yeah. And, you know, if we go back to last week, we talked about the importance of Christ's death and the, the thing that made Jesus Christ capable of saving in his death is that he is the son of the, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, he proves that, you know, throughout his life, but he, Jesus even talks about the fact that the that the um, that he's going to build his church on that fact that that he is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and the ultimate proof of that is the resurrection that shows that he has the power of life that God has, and that shows that he is capable of of doing things beyond our understanding and you know it, it is the in the resurrection as peter puts it jesus was made both lord and christ and um so i just wanted to read matthew chapter 16 where jesus makes this statement um so matthew chapter 16 starting in verse 16 actually i'm going to start in verse 17 Sorry, verse 15. He said to them, that is Jesus, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And the rock that he's talking about, the foundation, is the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the ultimate proof of that fact, the ultimate proof that Jesus is the Christ and that he can save is the resurrection. So something else that comes to my mind about the significance of the resurrection is the resurrection gives us an, an unshakable confidence and trust that Jesus is who he said he was and that what he promises us is true. And, and this, the same thing happened with, with the disciples. So like, think about Peter, for example. You know, before seeing Christ raised from the dead, Peter denied him three times. And, and in that denial, couldn't even stand up for his belief in Jesus in front of a servant girl. 
and then you so Peter sees the resurrection, he witnesses that. And then it's in Acts chapter four when him and John are arrested for for, <clears throat> for preaching about Jesus, and then they get out of jail and they're told, Don't preach about Jesus anymore and they say, you know, we cannot help but to speak about what we've seen and what we've heard. And and what they had seen, what they couldn't stop speaking about is the resurrected Christ. And so Peter gets this immense confidence from the resurrection that he didn't always have, um, you know, when he couldn't stand up for his faith in front of the servant girl. Then you see him in Acts 4 say, we can't, we cannot shut up about what we've seen and heard, and we've seen the resurrected Christ. You see him in Acts 2 preach the, the sermon on the day of Pentecost in front of those Jews that crucified Jesus. Peter saw the resurrection, and it, it changed him. It gave him a real confidence in Christ, and it can do the same for us. I mean, think about, think about uh, Jude. And think about James, the half-brothers of Jesus. You know, I, don't, I don't have the scripture off the top of my head, but in the Gospels it tells us that Jesus' brothers, his half-brothers, did not believe in him as the Messiah before the resurrection. Um, talking about James and Jude. And then not only do James and Jude both go on to become believers after the resurrection, uh, James, you know, they, they both well, they both write New Testament books, and then we see James is a key figure in the in the church in the book of Acts. We see him in the in the council there in Acts chapter fifteen. Uh, is in a, a kind of seems like a leadership position, wouldn't you say? Uh, there in, in Acts 15 in the church. So, you know, it, the resurrection changed Peter. It gave him immense confidence in, in Jesus. It convinced his brothers to finally believe in him. I mean, the resurrection has this, this level of convincing us that Jesus really was who he said he was. And all of that, the biggest point of proof is the resurrection. So that should give us immense confidence today in our faith that just as Jesus rose from the dead, he's promised that if we're faithful to him and obedient to him, he's going to raise us too. Yeah, and, and like I said, we're going to talk about this more in the, in the coming weeks, but you know that that foundation is so strong and we get that great confidence from it because it is an unshakable fact. It is a, you cannot disprove the resurrection, though people have tried and some people have, you know, convinced people of it, unfortunately. But when you really look at the facts and you sit down and consider things, it, it is, it becomes more obvious and more obvious that the resurrection actually happened. And because of that unshaking truth, um, it is it is a solid foundation that gives us so much confidence. And there will always be people, no matter how how unshakable and how just certain we can be about the resurrection. There's always going to be people that deny it because they they in their hearts they don't want to believe. And we've talked about that before on this podcast. Some of the Pharisees were like that. And you know, I, I've often wondered to myself. Why does like why can't God just do a miracle here today for for all of us to see so that people who doubt him would know that he's real? But the Bible never tells us that 
everyone who was an eyewitness to Jesus' miracles believed. In fact, we know the opposite is true. We know that there were people who, with their own two eyes, saw him do miracles, but they still refused to believe in him. Um, And so the point is, no matter how convincing of arguments we can put out there for the resurrection, there's always going to be people who just will not believe because in their heart they've decided no matter how convincing the proof is, they're never going to believe. And there, there were people the same exact way during the life of Jesus. And we even see an example in Matthew in chapter 28 of this just direct denial of the of the eyewitness accounts of the of the proof of the resurrection at the um, let's see Matthew 28 I'll start in verse uh, 10 it says then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me now while they were on their way some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened and when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So this is a story that is still an argument to this day, which is, in my opinion, that even just magnifies how horrible that argument is because it even in the scriptures is refuted. But this is an example of a group of people that were even alive and at the same time that Jesus was walking the earth resurrected and heard and some of them even saw the proof and they still chose to go with the lie because of the hardness of their hearts. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, hopefully that really gives you a, a, a better understanding of, of the significance of the resurrection. If you have any questions, please ask about that. Um, but there's a couple other things that we want to touch on in this chapter. Uh, the next thing is, I want to read verse 27 and then verses 44 and 45 because they bring out something very interesting. In Luke 24, verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus, you know, is, as the, as the, as the scriptures put it, they were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes alongside two men and eventually they get to the point where Jesus explains, starting with Moses and with all the prophets, he explains himself in all the scriptures. And then again in verses 44 and 45, it says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, and all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So what I wanted to point out is something that we we hold hold to to this day. Um, And, you know, it's a it's a it's a verse in Romans that Paul writes. But 
we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And we see that right here in in chapter 24 with Jesus and the way that he shares the scriptures with his disciples. And that's Romans 10, 17, if you wanted to look it up in Romans. Thank you. Romans 10, 17. And so we know, and it is, you know, we want it to be emphasized, Jesus saves. And we come to know and believe that through the scriptures, through what the scriptures teach about Jesus. And he even used the scriptures to produce, to bring about faith in his disciples, showing who he was, helping them to understand so that they would believe in who he was because he fulfilled the scriptures. And, you know, we come to know through the scripture it is through the scriptures that we come to know the conditions Jesus gives for salvation and and we talked about those you know in depth last week but i really wanted to point out the fact that that this is how Jesus um you know guides them to to faith is through the scriptures and this is the same way that Paul did and that's what he that's what he's writing about in Romans 10 verse 17, and that is still today what brings people to the knowledge and to the belief in Jesus. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was reading this this week, uh, especially that verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And then later on down in verse 32, they end up saying to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? So Cleopas is the name of one of these people, as we see from verse 18. The other one's unnamed. But these guys, I mean, they got the opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, literally. Je Jesus himself began with Moses and went through all the prophets and directly face-to-face -face, explained to them the things in those prophets that were concerning himself. So I don't know if you've, you, you Tanner, or anyone listening, if you guys have ever read a scripture, whether it's a verse or, or a whole chunk, tons of times in your life, and then you hear a sermon on it or a lesson on it, or you just find, find maybe you find it yourself and you're, study of it and it's like the light bulb comes on and you finally understand it and you, you see it in a new way now because of the way a preacher explained it or the way that you found out from your study and I mean these guys <laughs> had got that opportunity to have that happen from Jesus himself explaining in the scriptures I mean that's why in verse 32 it says they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? It was Jesus's exposition of the scripture. The prophets about him, the, the, what the prophets said about him, when he explained that to these, to these two people, it created a, a deep level of, of conviction. I mean, I mean, it says their hearts were burning within them when Jesus was explaining the scriptures to them, explaining how the prophets predicted him to be the Messiah. And I think that's why it's so important for us 
to really be in the Word, to really be in, in deep study of it. Because when we do, and those light bulbs start to come on, when we see the meaning, when, when, when the, the Scriptures are explained to us, and we understand that, and that light bulb comes on, it creates a level of conviction in us that leads us to act on what we believe, and that, that's such a, a key part of the Christian life. So I thought it would be you know, worth mentioning this. I, I love the phrase in here, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he explained the scriptures to us. And of course, that's talking about Jesus, what he did with explaining to them Moses and all the prophets. And what we see here, you know, an emphasis to be made about this and about the, the Romans 10.17 is faith comes from hearing. Faith does not come from feeling. Faith comes from hearing the truth and coming to understand and know the truth, and you that doesn't happen through feelings. Now, faith, obviously, from what we see even here in this passage, the faith that they've that they have gained through the truth which Jesus shared produces some strong convictions and feelings within them that leads them to action. But it is not the feelings that puts faith that brings them to faith and we must we must understand that that must be emphasized today because it, because it is something that is disagreed upon heavily by by certain people and if faith i mean if faith comes from feelings then when our feelings come and go as they do our faith is going to come and go and that's absolutely. not that's not a strong and sturdy foundation absolutely um, so, um, that, the conviction thing, that's a really good point to bring up. Thank you for bringing that out. Cause that was something that I hadn't even connected with the other two verses that I brought up. So that's good. Um, there's another, uh, you know, big topic in this, in this chapter. And I'll say that it is not as obvious in Luke as it is in the other gospels, but I, it is something to bring out in verses 46 through through 49 the chap it says and he said to them thus it is written that the christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from jerusalem you are witnesses of these things and behold i am sending forth the promise of my father upon you but you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. And really, really the key verse here is verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. And that word witnesses, what that, what that implies for us is they were witnesses of the resurrection. They were, they were witnesses of Christ's whole ministry, his death and his burial and his resurrection. And their job as witnesses is not only just to have seen it, but to then be witnesses to the world, to share with the world what they have witnessed. And what we often call that today is the Great Commission. And I'll just turn to Matthew chapter 28, because this is probably the most commonly read um, explanation or commonly read time when Jesus gives the Great Commission, but 
uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have here in, in Luke chapter 24 a, a recording, Luke's recording of, of that great commission to be witnesses of, of the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel. And that is what all of us have as Christians, you know, you know, we are called to, to be obedient, but and and this is part of obedience, we are called to share the gospel with people and that is that is the number one priority that the gospel is why we've come to to believe and to put our faith in Jesus um, to to obey him it's it is because of that gospel message and we are called through the gospel not only to to put our faith in Jesus but to share that same truth with other people and so that they can have the opportunity to come to to put their faith in Jesus as well um so i just wanted to share you know that that is exactly our primary goal with that should be our primary goal with every relationship that we have in our life is does this person know the gospel have they heard the gospel have they heard uh, of the importance of what jesus did for them um, specifically in the death burial and resurrection and if they do know the gospel what can we do how in this relationship this is uh, you know something that me and jacob try to do with each other is how in the gospel can we grow ourselves in in whatever capacity um, you know, obviously coming from the scriptures, but yeah, it's not, it's not even just making sure that they've heard the gospel and they believe in it, but that they've obeyed it as well. That they've obeyed it. Yeah, absolutely. And then as we look at the chapter, um, it, it wraps up with verses 50 through 53, and it is a, a, a simple, short, explanation of, of the ascension and um, all I'll say on that is we know that Jesus is now reigning with the Father in heaven at the right hand his rightful place as Lord as King of of his church um, that is built upon the the rock that is built upon the truth, the fact, the foundation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, as we talked about before. And uh, you know, as He reigns up there, it is it is His church that we are that we are a part of, and we are we are all a part of of His church, as we are in our little congregations. We are. It's not just us in the little congregation. We are a part of the fullness of Christ's church um, through like faith in, in the message of the gospel. And we know that he is, 
there. And as Paul says, we, when we take communion each Sunday on the first day of the week, we do so to proclaim His death, we, to proclaim that gospel message until He comes back, until He returns. So that is the end of, of Luke. Good stuff, man. We made it through. We did. We did. I'm excited to to start our next stuff, but I'm also a little bit like almost, I know it's a little early, but like I'm kind of nostalgic now about finishing Luke. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. Um, but exciting for the future. Um, you got any last comments about any of this? I think we've covered all we, we wanted to cover. All right. Well, as always, we just want to thank you all so much. Thank you for going through Luke with us. Um, you know, always remember that you can ask us questions, and um, I'm sure that, you know, there might be prob- probably, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, but um, there's a, always a good possibility that we could do another Q&A episode, um, which was fun the last time. It's been a little while since we've done one, but... Um, that might be something around the corner. So ask questions, um, and you might be on the next one that we do of that. Uh, be ready for the apologetics episodes that we're going to start up in the following weeks. And thank you guys for watching. Go bear fruit, and so prove to be one of his disciples.